Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are listening. This is Ken Calcaterra, and welcome to my world. I am a a visual storyteller by trade. I I create stories with uh, motion pictures or still photography. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing for the past 16 years. And uh, and over that time, and even before that, I've had the pleasure of meeting a ton of interesting people. Artists, entrepreneurs, inventors, just just great people with wonderful stories. And uh, this is my chance to bring them to the world, to uh, introduce them to the people I know, kind of play matchmakers, so to say, and uh, introduce friends to friends via this wonderful medium of podcasting. So here I am. I've uh, created this podcast Uh, Sometimes documentary filmmaking or uh, narrative filmmaking, it's just one thing that requires a lot of resources. And I've always, it's it's always fun when talking to these great people to say, yeah, I want to tell your story and let's put a documentary together. But it's uh, not so easy to do. So I figured, you know, why not try and create a podcast where I can put some of that information out that uh, that I've been wanting to do that I, I want to put out in a visual medium, but uh, kind of don't have the time to do it or the resources. So here we are, and my my first guest is uh, my friend Ben Wilson, who I met uh, roughly about ten years ago at the Listening Room Cafe in Nashville, Tennessee, and at the time Ben I, I knew him as a sound engineer. He was working for uh, my good buddy Chris Blair, and uh, both of them had that room just sounding amazing. And uh, if you get down to Nashville nowadays, they're in a different location, but uh, even more incredible sound and just a wonderful artist. So go down there. Hope, uh, I'm hoping to have Chris on a future podcast so you can learn a little bit about what he's doing and uh, more about what really inspired him and continues to inspire him in his venue, why he wants to bring these great artists to you. So I was down in Nashville for uh, Chris's wedding and was able to uh, meet up with Ben, who uh, he and his wife, Cassie, they hosted me for a few days. And uh, so Ben and I sat down in his kitchen where we talked a little bit about music, about the philanthropic activities they take place in not only in Nashville but across the world they go to they go to Africa a few times a year to uh to help people over there just just wonderful people and uh a lot of that comes out in Ben's music his his storytelling and I uh I didn't know him as I stated as a musician I always knew him as a sound engineer but I know he was playing with Cassie I knew her more as a musician as a songwriter. So fortunately, you know, via Facebook, I saw they were going to be in town in St. Louis, brought some people out to their show, and was just blown away, blown away by, by what, what Ben was putting out. It was just a, it was just a, just a really great sound with, with really minimal equipment, guitar. He has a, a little percussion set up and it was just an amazing show. So with this podcast, you're able to hear his music. You can uh, you can find his website at wilsonsongs.com. Connect with him there. Connect with Cassie through there. And uh, if you like what you hear, you know, help this artist continue to create. Look for where he's going to be if he's going to be in your town. And the cool thing is, 
they uh, they play house concerts, so they will come to you for uh, a nominal fee and entertain your friends in your home. So really cool. It's a thing they've been doing lately, and it's uh, it's amazing. So hopefully I'll have them at some point in, uh, in my home. We can have a house concert. Also, if you're traveling to Nashville to go to the listening room, uh, they have uh, just listed uh, an apartment in their home. They have a separate apartment connected on Airbnb. They'd be a wonderful host. They hosted me. They're just amazing. So check that out. You can find them on uh, on that website. Maybe we'll get them as a sponsor one day. Keep this podcast going. But uh, this is the first podcast, so I hope you enjoy it. It's a nice conversation with Ben. And uh, from that, I decided, why not call this Conversations with Calcaterra? That's me, Ken Calcaterra. This is Ben Wilson. All right, Ben, thanks for talking with me, man. This is great. Uh, it's great to see you. It's great to be hanging out in, uh, in Nashville. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we met each other, uh, I don't know, it was it was during the uh, this charity event at the listening room. I think we may have, a few mm-hmm. times when I was down there, we may have met before then, but I think that's a time that I really, really got to know you. Yeah, I remember I'd see you here and there when I was running sound there at the listening room. Yeah, yeah, and all that time, I mean, I, I saw you running sound, but I never knew you played until at, at one <laughs> point, I think it was a few years ago, I saw on, on Facebook you and Cassie playing. I said, oh, yeah. that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, it's, uh, you have such an incredibly talented wife. It's like, yeah, yeah he's, he's accompanying her. Yeah. And then when you guys, I saw you had posted uh, a show in St. Louis, and I went and, and saw the show, and I was like, this would be cool. Yeah. And I was completely blown away. It was uh, it was like wow this guy I've known but I never knew the talent level. When did you start playing? Uh, I started well. I mean, I've been playing guitar and singing for twenty years probably now. You know, since I was young, my brother kind of taught me guitar a little bit and uh, started doing a little bit of poetry writing and songwriting back then. You know, it was just basic stuff, but um. You know, it's been a process because when I moved to Nashville, I'd stopped playing and singing pretty much altogether because there were so many musicians here and and artists and writers that were so much better than I was, especially guitar players that were so much better than I was. And uh, it was just overwhelming. So I moved here to go to audio engineering school. So, you know, I do studio work and whatnot. And so I was focusing on that. That's why I was at the listening room running sound when, you, when you'd see me. But, uh, and gradually, you know, especially because I married Cassie and she was a singer, started playing backup, you know, singing backups for her and, and playing guitar for her. And uh, eventually, even I would say recently, I just started wanting to do my own artistry again and started writing songs for myself again. And uh, it's been really refreshing, and I'm glad that I'm writing the things that I really uh, enjoy writing for myself again. Uh, It's great that you're able to take something that that means so much to you and and tell a story with with your songs. And that's one thing. I I was talking to another friend of mine recently, and he was talking about you know, in this day and age, uh, the music industry has changed, but the, the songwriter, the, the the singer is a troubadour, and it's it's putting out this message that ultimately, 
is going to make the world a better place. It's going to influence people. It's I see or I hear a lot of that in your music. There's Thanks. there's a lot of messages. I, I, what would you say if if you had one message or one theme that you were going to get across? What, what do you think that would be? Um, I think that one thing that I would try to get across would be for people to live with critical thinking, if you will. You know, I feel like there's there's too many people who go through life um, not really thinking about the things they do. They're just doing things because they want to, or they're doing things just because it fell in their lap, or they're just going with the flow of life. And that's fine sometimes, um, but I feel like there really has to be purpose and critical thinking involved. And you know, that travels into all sorts of areas of life, whether it's um, spiritual life, uh, I'm a Christian and a, and a believer in, in God and in Jesus, and, and that shows through in my songwriting too. You know, I wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be anything without God in our lives and without his, you know, his character and everything that he's done for us. And so that shines through in my writing. Um, and not only that, but things that God is passionate about, I am becoming more passionate about. Um, helping people, you know, uh, philanthropic work. I think that's the right word. Uh, you know, really helping people who are less privileged than us. Uh, really trying to help people out of poverty. Helping people who are oppressed. Helping people who are, are treated unfairly. And we may talk about it later, but that has to do with a lot of my trips to Africa, too, that we, me and my wife lead. Uh, but, you know, even on the trips that we do lead, we tell our, I tell the team that we really need to focus on thinking critically about everything that we do, you know? The decisions that we make, uh, just being conscious of everything that we're doing and having a purpose in life. Yeah, definitely. And that's uh, when I went to film school, that was one thing, part of it was a liberal arts program. I did film production. That's what I studied. And at the time, they had, we would take media and the law, or law and media. We would take ethics and media, media literacy, things like that to understand what we're watching, what we're creating. And I know recently, I think they've uh, they've eliminated a lot of those as part of the core curriculum. I think mm. they can still be taken as electives. But it's one of those things that I think just because you can do these things, just because you can write a song, just because you can make a film, video, whatever it is, I think looking at, you know, how does this affect people? Mm-hmm. You know, what are we watching, whether it be a reality show or, you know, we're taking when we see those things, we take those things as real, as as truthful. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's it's good to understand those things. So I like when you you're talking about critical thinking and and looking at that and looking deeper at things and just okay, well I'm gonna go get an education just so I can learn how to push the buttons. Mm-hmm. But what am I pushing the buttons for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. you know what am I recording? What do I want to say? And I think in in this world of social media, I think people uh, a lot of times are just just don't have an original voice. I I agree with you, and you know a lot of pop music. Um, it, it's it's a shame, you know. A lot of the artists didn't write the songs that they're singing, and that's not so much of a problem. But it kind of does feed into the problem of 
artists, whether you're a, a painter or a musician or an architect, artists not you know, getting behind something and getting and portraying their original art. You know, too many I feel like are in it um, because that's what America feeds you into, you know? Like, you gotta be famous and people have to know your name and you have to have money and you have to have certain things, you know, and a certain status. And uh, it's kind of a shame where we've lost some of the the original intent of the, the beauty of art and creating art and even using art with a purpose behind it, you know? Um, yeah. So when I write my songs, I, I try not to write just with the intent of, oh, I hope people are going to like it or I hope it's the status quo. I really, um, I really try to have an original art and, and do what I really love to do. And hopefully people do like it, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's it's so easy to get caught up into that. I think our society now is is all about money, and I've gotten caught up with that in my art. It's like, oh, if I do this, I can get rich, and and maybe that like originally it was that was a driving force. Mm-hmm. And then as I as I learned to tell stories better, it just became this passion. It's like I have to do this. Okay, I'm not making money. I'll do it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's still as I drive well, something could happen. But I think now it's just looking at, all right, well, I'm, I'm able to do cool things. And that's p- part of what this podcast is all about. It's just, hey, this is something easy to talk about cool things with just cool people that I know and introduce them to the world. Sure. Whether it be artists, whether it be healers, people doing charity, business people, just uh, just interesting people and talk about s- some deeper things. Mm-hmm. Um and that's one thing, definitely. I know there's there's a lot of deeper songs on on your album, mm-hmm. and I was listening to it driving around yesterday to uh, you know just to try to figure out some of the intricacies and some of the things in there. Uh, you know, it feels good, and it's a uh, you know it's it's kind of a chill album. I see, you know, something yeah, that you know I'm lucky, like, yeah. if I'm gonna get pumped up and oh, I'll go work out, <laughs> you know, I'm definitely you know hey, I'm probably not gonna, won't put my seat not gonna for that. not gonna put it on for that, but. Uh, but, you know, just, just to chill out and think, yeah. um, you know, what are some of, uh, what is one of your favorite songs on the album? If you said, hey, you can only listen to one song on this album, well, which one do you think you would tell people to, to listen to? I really like this uh, song I wrote called Dump Child. Um, and it's a darker song. Uh, it stems from our travels to Africa. And, you know, when I went there for the first time and and every time after that I, I've seen things that I never thought I would see in my life like I'd seen them on TV maybe or heard about them and when that when those two things happen they don't affect you as much they don't hit home as much but when you see it firsthand uh, it's really powerful and it rearranged some things in my life it rearranged some priorities and um yeah, so Dump Child is about, it, it's technically fictional because um, the actual story is not true to a specific story, but this happens all the time in, in third world countries where someone is living in a trash dump and that's how they're sustaining themselves and that's just where they're living with their family, you know? And uh, it kind of takes you through a story of someone who's, who's living in that situation. And is that that's a character of Ebenezer? 
Yes. Yeah, so the, uh, the the child, the dump child, is is Ebenezer. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah. When I first heard that, so we uh, you know brought some friends out. We were in St. Louis, um, and that that just seemed like that was a song that I mean I'm not very knowledgeable. I would you you can you're you said it was folk music, right? Folk, like alternative folk is what you consider your genre? Yeah, alternative folk rock. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and listening to that, so that's a genre I know a little bit about, but not a, you know, not a ton. I don't really know the history, but so when I'm listening to that song, it seemed like that was maybe like an old staple. It seemed like mm. that was, I don't know, that was a song I could say if you think of somebody with an old soul, it was just you know, something that like, oh, is this a cover song? And then I talked to you later and, oh, mm. no, this is one of my originals. And it was like, wow. Yeah, well, that just seems like a song that I might have heard from the 60s, like oh, a Dylan song or something. That's awesome. That's a great compliment. So it's just, man, really, really cool song. Thanks. They're really deep. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it's harder for, to, for me to put that one into some live show situations just because the subject matter is pretty dark uh you know on some shows some people aren't trying to come out so that they can really think about dark stuff you know they're just trying to come out and maybe have a good time but uh i try to throw that kind of stuff in there sometimes you know my like i said my music is all about kind of getting people to think critically and so i throw that i throw that stuff in there when i can uh when i can kind of slide it in there and make people aware of it. Ebenezer Your mother was raped by a soldier and left for dead outside of Addis She moved to the trash dump and made herself a home at Cora and that's where you were born Dumb child Yeah, that was track number 2 off your album Wilson. Real quick while we're while we're at it, where can uh where can folks find this music? I'm online at wilsonsongs.com. Uh, that's the main hub of what I'm doing. Uh, also on Facebook, facebook.com slash wilsonsongs. Excellent. Yeah, it's good to get, get this kind of music out there. And I think you were talking before that in a live show, you don't always want to play a deep, thoughtful song. Because mm-hmm. people, a lot of times, hey, this is entertainment. I want to go get some drinks. I want to <laughs> kind of escape from the world. But I, I think it's good. And a lot of a lot of people, you see, go to a U2 concert, and, and Bono definitely has a strong message about yeah. worldly type things. And I've heard people say, well, why is, you know, he's a rock star. Why is, you know, why is he saying this? I have to bring it in. And it's just like, yeah, he doesn't have to say this. I mean, Bono is, he's probably doesn't have to work another day in his life yeah. and he would be fine but he takes the time and in his free time that's what he's doing mm-hmm. working with with less fortunate people going to africa working with the pope things like that which is something that that you and uh, cassie are doing with with your mission trips uh, how, how many years have you been going to africa and working working with children there uh well we've been 
to Rwanda, Africa, probably four times now, um, about every year. So I'd say three or four years we've been been going there. Um, we we lead teams with an organization, and it's called Visiting Orphans. And uh, mainly, what we do is go and invest time and energy into kids uh, who are less privileged than us and who a lot of them who don't have families so in the orphanages um, so yeah you know we're going back in January and it's a really powerful experience for both parties involved you know um, for the team members that are going from America it's a really powerful thing uh, just to be able to put things in perspective and see things that, like I said, that you'd never seen before. And to just kind of realize, inadvertently, it just kind of helps you realize what's important in life. Um, and that affected me long term. It wasn't just like I came home and it affected me for a couple weeks or something. Like, I mean, literally, for the past three or four years, it's just been... It's been a different trajectory for me. My life has. So, um, and not only the team members, but the people that we visit, uh, we try to spend time with these kids and invest um, time with them. We see a lot of the same kids every time we go back. So we know who they are. And they know who we are. And, um, you know, we, if we can, we can, we try to have some time where we can teach things to them. Uh, Maybe it's hygiene stuff. Maybe it's Bible studies and theologies, things like that. Um, but, you know, we just try to to listen to whatever, however God wants to lead our team to do whatever he wants us to do over there. Then we try to be open to that because uh, that's what's really important. He he knows what's going on better than we do. So, so yeah. Any particular story of a kid that you've worked with that, that just stands out or, or one of those moments where you were there and it just it you can see how it changed their life? Well, and so we also work with the, this organization called His Chase. And basically what they do is they're setting up um, child sponsorship programs. And so a lot of the, in the orphanage that we would go to all the time, uh, they set up a child sponsorship program for the kids in that orphanage. And probably one of the best things that I've seen, um, you know, from our trips and from people associated with what I'm, what I'm doing over there is this program. Uh, I don't know how many hundreds of kids you know, we're sponsored from this orphanage uh, by by people in America, and you know, one of the best ways to help a community, a country, a family out of poverty is education. I mean, education is key, and the public school system over there is not up to par. It's just not good, and for these kids to have a private uh, education like they're getting through this sponsorship program is amazing for their lives. I mean, it's going to it's going to give them the chance to have a successful life, if you will, to not always be you know, needing for things, to not be living on the streets and 
um, to be able to help others and to be able to lead others. I mean, they're getting an education to to where they can really be leaders and and, and people who influence the other people in their country. And it's that is one of the best things I've seen um, as far as our teams going and what I'm associated with there. You know, a lot of team members that we take end up sponsoring kids and whatnot. It's all around, it's an amazing thing what's what's happening in that area, among many other things that I didn't mention, but yeah. Now, do you on your Facebook page with, uh, or do you have a separate Facebook page that with photos of of these trips and things that you're doing where people can see what's going on? Or is there an organizational website where somebody wants to look and go sponsor a child that they can find out more about this? Yeah, so the the site for the His Chase organization is hischase.org, H-I-S-C-H-A-S-E.org. And um, that's the organization where you can sponsor a kid specifically from one of the orphanages that we, you know, visit regularly. And it's an amazing, amazing organization. I would encourage, you know, the listeners to, to check that out. Um, and as far as, you know, on my Facebook, my personal Facebook, uh, shoot, I guess you just have to get th- to it through my Wilson Songs Facebook somehow. Cool. But I posted lots of pictures of our trips there. Yes. And so is my wife, um, Cassie, on her Facebook. Uh, we post pictures every time that we go uh, of all our trips. So, yeah, check them out. It'd be great. Cool, cool. And just, you know, I guess that's a good segue, you know, talking about Cassie. Uh, so when I first met her, well, kind of met her, uh, we had my father and, and I had come down here with one of my younger cousins, so, so my cousin's son, and brought him down here for some little festival. So he was singing. He was 16 at the time. Hmm. And then we went to uh, this karaoke place in Prenner's Alley. Oh, and in, wow. And we're in Nashville right now, so yeah. for the audience that's listening to this, so we're sitting in Ben's Kitchen in Nashville. And so in Printer's Alley, and Cassie has this distinct look. She Her performance style, she's high, highly energetic. And it was like, oh, this girl's cool. And so like, I think she and some of the other singers brought my cousin up there. He sang a few songs and whatnot. And then years later, you know, I had known you. Yeah. And then at one point, I guess when I came down here, this is my wife. And it was like, oh, I kind of know her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, looking at that, you're talking about influences and she just has an incredible voice. She's very passionate about music. I mean, we'll get to earlier influences later, but as far as having a wife that is such a wonderful musician and singer, what, uh, how does that influence your work? Well, you know, like I said, I wasn't doing any of my own artistry when I moved to Nashville for a long time. So I started playing guitar for her and singing backgrounds for her. Um, And then we started writing together. That was several years after I moved to Nashville. And so, you know, her songwriting style and really the country industry has had an influence on me um, in the way of songwriting, number one, just because of um, it's more storytelling. It's more uh, has a certain form to it, and you know, I don't come from any type of country background whatsoever. Uh, and the songwriting that I came from when I was growing up is just 
pretty much all free form stuff and there's like no rules. And to have those two come together was really cool. Uh, and so we started writing songs for, for her album. And so for her second album, we pretty much co-wrote all the songs together. And it, we call it a country soul style. And it's really kind of a cool mix of, of what I grew up with and what she did. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, her songwriting and artistry influenced me in that way. And in the way that we just kind of melded some things together and came up with this new cool kind of thing um, that you can hear on her latest record. Nice. What's the title of that record? That is self-titled, so it's just Cassie, and it's with a K, Cassie. Okay, right on. Yeah, that's that's cool, and that's one thing that when uh, one of my one of my friends had mentioned, I mean, she just with Cassie's voice, and I, I think my friend had had said she sounds a little like Emmy Lou Harris. Mm. I don't know. I'm not the old country. I don't know as well. So I'm, and I probably I'm probably butchering this comparison or forgot exactly what she had said, but she definitely has that kind of that old country sound like some that some of the legends have yeah she uh you know i don't remember if i said it but we call her stuff like country soul Mm -hmm. and so she definitely has a country background and she listened to country music growing up and loves you know patsy cline and and the old classic country and has a tinge of that in her voice but then she has kind of the the raspy soul influence too Mm -hmm. Uh, which makes for a pretty cool little combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what my friend said. I wasn't going to tell you this, but my friend said, he's he's great, but wow, when I hear her. And I was like, <laughs> I bet you he probably, I, I, I don't think he would mind that. Yeah, no. But, uh, she's a great singer. Yeah. She really is. But I think the two at that show, seeing the two of you play together, and that I had seen her before and I hadn't seen you play, it was a nice combination. Mm. And uh, and hearing her on your record, as I was driving around yesterday, I was listening to, I think one of my favorite songs on the album is Feels Like Home. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, that's just, that's such a cool song because you're saying, you know, home is wherever you are, wherever, whenever we're together, yeah. that's home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, that's just really poetic and it, that's just a really cool story. And then hearing her, you know, the backgrounds. And I had, to, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. this is Cassie. Yeah, but I, I didn't, since you had To the Moon, another song on there that's featuring Cassie, mm-hmm. I was like, wait a second. Yeah, that's, that has to be her in the background vocals. Yeah. What, uh, I mean, the two of you being together, tell me a little bit about that song and what, how you felt when you were writing it. So the two songs that you just mentioned are the two songs that Cassie has co-wrote with me on the album. The rest of them that I wrote uh, by myself. And actually, To the Moon, and actually, the ones you mentioned earlier also were not just written by Cassie and me, but by another writer named Becky McLeod. Okay. And so, you know, I, that feels like home song. I had that idea, and, you know, we mentioned the traveling to, to, to Rwanda, which we do quite often. And not only that, but traveling inside the U.S. Uh, to play shows and weddings and private parties and whatnot. Uh, I've traveled without Cassie very rarely, and uh, it's just not as fun, you know? It just, it doesn't feel right, and I always feel like I want to get back home, if you will. And uh, so when I'm traveling with her and when I'm, when I'm with her, it really does feel like home. Lions 
But I'd be counting lines Road lines and state lines Song lines and phone lines Mine, yeah but this is mine This life with the one I love is mine And what more could I need And where else would I be It feels like home, you know it feels like home Anywhere with you feels like home Anywhere I roam, anywhere I roam, roam. Anywhere with you feels like home You can find that at uh, wilsonsongs.com And we're talking here with Ben Wilson, my my good friend, and uh, talking about a lot of different things. Uh, so, so growing up, who were some of the influences? You talk about that soul influence. Who who'd you listen to growing up? Who did I listen to? Um, Cassie Moore had the soul influence. Uh, she listened to old country and kind of some soul music. Okay. Growing up, for me, I would say I listened to. What was a big influence on me was alternative rock music. Right on, yeah. I yeah, listen yeah. a lot of that myself. So, you know, uh, Counting Crows. I can't I can't express how much of an influence they were on me. Um, I remember when I was first introduced by my brother to the August and Everything After CD. Yeah, that's a long a great time album. ago. Yeah. yeah, oh my gosh. And um, right away, I really felt connected to it for some reason. I don't know if it was the way that Adam Duritz sings or the way he writes. But I really felt, it really felt like comfortable to me. And uh, ever since he, that he introduced that to me, I've just really gravitated towards them and loved them so much. And so many of their records are great. And, uh, you know, I think I have some, a lot of influence from, from them. Um, in, in the songwriting style, in the way that he sings, and uh, yeah, and you know, even when I was younger, I really listened to mainly Christian music growing up, um, and that was kind of a a effect of my family, I guess. You know, I grew up in a Christian family, and I was listening to just a lot of Christian music. Uh, but when I was first introduced to, you know, stuff like Counting Crows and um, other alternative rock artists, I really gravitated toward towards that stuff, and I really loved it. Um, so yeah, like I said, I didn't listen to really any country music. Uh, so when I moved to Nashville, everything was new for me. Country, I, I didn't know anything about country music. Uh, I play a few country songs now, but. Not that many. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of still try to stick with uh, what I grew up with. Sure, sure. Yeah. And your style is great, so it's, it's you got to go with what you know, what feels right. Where where'd you grow up? That was in Iowa, yeah, Oskaloosa, Iowa. Uh, my family actually still lives there. I went to middle school and high school there. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, I've done a little bit of work in Iowa, uh, mm-hmm. some video work over the years. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty interesting place. I know they have a. Uh, and you ride you ride mountain bikes. Have you ever participated in the Ragbri? Oh, yeah. I haven't. I haven't been a part of Ragbri, um, the great ride across Iowa. 
But uh, my brother sell, sold Gatorade on the side of the road for Rag Bri a couple times. So like when he was younger or recently? Like recently. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that's my only connection to Rag Bri. Right on. Yeah, I'm going to have to try that one of these days. What? The, so speaking of, of mountain biking, we're... Uh, I mean, Nashville has many great trails. Where do, you, where do you like to ride around Nashville? Where's somebody that's coming down here? Where, where should they check out? I've rode a few mountain bike trails around here. I think maybe because it's closer to my house, but the one I kind of gravitate towards, there's one down in Cane Ridge area it's in the Antioch area. And there's a pretty decent trail down there I like to ride. But uh, usually I just like to ride around on the, on the streets. You know? I live near Nolensville, Nolensville Road, and it's a very, like, eclectic, very ethnic place, mm-hmm. and there's just random stuff everywhere on Nolensville Road, like a Thai restaurant on one side, nice. and then there's, like, a Mexican market over here, and then, like, just random stuff everywhere, and I love just riding around, just exploring and seeing all these new things and seeing new neighborhoods yeah. that I hadn't been to before. And there's some neighborhoods around here that are very interesting. Uh, I would probably call them impoverished neighborhoods, mm-hmm. but usually those are the most interesting. You ride around, you just see just random stuff. Yeah. In people's yards with the uh-huh. most random colors on people's houses. Yeah. Uh, I love seeing that stuff. Yeah, it's just part of part of America. Part of I mean, this it's a different the diversity. I know you were telling yeah. me earlier before we started this, you do some volunteer work here in Nashville mm-hmm. um, with kids, so you're we're carrying on that yeah. theme. What uh, is that something you started doing before you went to Rwanda, or is that something that by going there you reached out and, and searched for something a little closer to home? How'd you get involved in all that? That was actually before I went to Rwanda. So me and my wife Cassie were going to a church, and uh, they were talking about this program called the Youth Life Learning Center. And uh, that's the website, I think, by the way. Actually, it's yllc.org, I think the website is. And um, mainly it's an after-school program, a Christian-based after-school program. And it's for at-risk kids. And the one, the center that we work at, which there's, I think, five centers around the, uh, around the city of Nashville, is in a, a neighborhood that is, you know, kind of impoverished, and there's a lot of at-risk kids there, if you will. And I guess that might be the first time that I realized that I really enjoyed working with kids and that I really, like, it was, could be a purpose of mine, if you will. Um, Before that, I'd never really worked with kids and it was, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's a, I can say that it's a great program. It really is because they have a great balance of teaching the kids, you know, topics, education, helping the kids with schoolwork, and yet also focusing on the spiritual aspect of, of teaching them, um, you know, Christian topics and topics out of the Bible and whatnot. It's a, it's a really uh, balanced program. And me and my wife love volunteering there, and, and we, you know, have good relationships mm-hmm. with a lot of the kids there. That's great. That's great. So you start. So you moved from Iowa to Nashville in what was it, two thousand six? Yeah. And that was for school. Yeah, I went to audio engineering school. 
So uh, SAE, School of Audio Engineering. Uh-huh. Very uh, good name. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. And then after that, I st- right out of there, I started working in this small st- recording studio called Jay's Place on 16th Avenue uh-huh. uh, d- on Music Row down in Nashville. And um, yeah, then I started running sound at the listening room mm-hmm. and places like that, which is where I met you. Uh, but yeah, so I went to school here for audio engineering. Are you still are you still running sound these days? I don't do it a whole lot anymore. There'll be random occasions where I will, uh, but mainly I kind of gave that up to to do singing. I enjoy singing more, uh-huh. and uh, I make more money singing too. Yeah, and you're able to to make a living just just by singing. Pretty much, uh, I would say there's some random things that I do. Uh-huh. Um, you know, maybe some random construction, you know, one-off things, yeah. but, uh, mainly it's singing. Yeah. Cause we sing in Nashville. Me and my wife sing two or three times a week. And then I play my own gig once a week in Nashville. And then on top of that, we'll go out of town a couple times a month and mm-hmm. do private parties and weddings and stuff like that. So yeah, mainly singing. That's fantastic. So started out with the the audio engineering and, mm-hmm. and was able to transition. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people get to say they can do that. So that's that's pretty fantastic, yeah. man. Yeah, I feel like um, that doesn't happen a lot, maybe because it's two different sides of the brain, kind mm-hmm. of, in yeah. a way. Because you're engineering, you're using the very technical side yeah. and whatnot. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to, to be able to, kn- to know audio engineering, though, because as a musician, it's come in handy... So many times, yeah. you know, I produced my own album and, uh-huh. and engineered it and everything. And uh, just having to, as an artist, make yourself sound good and know how sound works. Uh, I'm really glad that I went to audio engineering school and, and know all that. It's been very valuable. Yeah, it's a nice skill to have. Now, now, when you were working in the studio, were you observing different artists recording? How did that? Uh, how did that help you? You know, what kind of... Was that something you were able to put in your back pocket, and then when it came time to record your own your own album, that happened? Yeah, it, the studio I worked at is a was a small demo studio. So basically, gotcha. what that means is they would record songs that somebody else has written, whether the songwriter's there or in another country, and they're sending their their charts in. Mm-hmm. And uh, musicians would be hired by the studio owner. And they would all get together and all have the, have the charts that day, you know, and then just maybe rehearse it once and then just play it and record it. I mean, it was like quick. Yeah. And it, it was amazing to me to see that. I've uh-huh. never, I had never seen that before. And uh, just how quick they were and how on top of it they were, how, you know, after such a short period of time of having the chart, what, five, ten minutes that they could play through the song and it would sound just like something on country radio, you know? It was amazing. That really helped me to see the speed at which you could work, the efficiency at which you could Uh work at. And, um, yeah, you know, I don't necessarily condone working that that fast. Obviously, I don't work, wouldn't want to work that fast on your own artistry. They were doing it for demo work, for demo purposes. But, uh, yeah, that really helped me and, and not only to see the efficiency but in knowing how to use the Nashville number system the chart 
if you've ever seen that before. Like instead of writing um, the letters for the chords, they're numbers. Okay. And so it, it's just such a – I love the Nashville number system, and, and learning that was really valuable to me also. Nice. And something uh, I guess you can use if uh... – you want to pull in other other musicians oh, yeah. to, to and I've used it so it. many times. Yeah, yeah, a buddy of mine. He was talking about that having having charts because he. Uh, it's my friend Corey Clay. We'll be talking with him in a, at another podcast, and he was talking about because he travels. He, his band, the Twain's, basically plays between. He he has a group of, of musicians in L.A., a group of musicians in Nashville, and a group of musicians in St. Louis, mm-hmm. and it was. Uh, an old wise man had, had told him, you know, you should get charts. And mm-hmm. then for his birthday, hand, gave him charts. So now he can, when he's when he's trying out new musicians or, you know, adding people to it, he, he can just give yeah. them the charts and then they know the songs. Yeah. So, yeah, it sounds, I mean, being a non-musician myself, looking at that, it's like, wow, that seems, it's like having the script. Oh, yeah. Whoever came up with that Nashville number system, I mean, it is, it's truly awesome. You can, like, if you're in a pinch and didn't have a bass player or something, yeah, and you reached out to a bass player who had never played your stuff before, you can give them the chart, and they could be playing it right there. You know, I mean, it's yeah, just it's fantastic. It's a cool, and that's what I think he had a situation. Somebody was either sick or just couldn't get in on time, or traffic, or flying in, or yeah. something like that, and it was just, you pick up another guy, and then mm-hmm. fill him in, it's, okay, cool, Yeah, right on, so now he has, he has the tools that he needs to do that, um, what about quotes, you know, I like, like quotes, I don't always remember who said something, but, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, like, luck is preparation meeting opportunity, I saw you had a quote in your liner notes. What are what are a couple quotes that you kind of live by, or that that are staples in in your toolbox? There, uh, one quote that I really like that I've heard, and I don't know who this is from, but the quote is: "The place God calls you to be is where your desire and the world's greatest need meet." And the reason I like that quote is because people are always like searching for that mystical purpose for their life and no oh, I'm that ever you know ever escaping purpose for their life. And um sometimes we know what it is already and we and we don't mm-hmm. think we do because we have desires for something maybe I have a desire for music mm-hmm. and um somebody needs to hear the message that I'm writing. Yeah. You know, if I if I'm writing from my heart and that's where they meet my desire to do music and I can help somebody else like I'd say that's a pretty good place to be so that's one of my uh one of my favorite quotes probably that's cool and I look at that and when you're saying that it makes me think of of the first track on your album where have all the fathers gone Mm -hmm. and that just seems to be yeah that's that's a deep track would you what was the influence with that? When when did you what inspired that song? Um, you know, over the past maybe three or four years, I've really realized how important like the office of a father is mm-hmm. to the world, really. Yeah. I mean, not only to children, uh, but to the entire family. Um 
just the father affirms their kids, uh, their sons in, in their manhood. Um, the father helps daughters to know, you know, what a, a woman's, how a woman's life should go and whatnot. Um, the father has such an important role in the marriage, or the, the man does, you know, and, uh, and really leading it in the right direction. And I've seen the consequences, not in, not in my family or in my life, but in so many other people's lives of there not being a father around or the father not doing what he should be doing. Uh, and it really has dire consequences mm-hmm. um, from, you know, poverty to people not growing up with the right sort of attitudes that they should have, the right uh-huh. mindset, not thinking they can do things, or people growing up with backwards thinking, you know, thinking that um, is just not the way that God intended mm-hmm. for them to think. And uh, fathers have a lot to do with all that running smoothly. And so that's what that first song is about. Have they gone to the bar? Is it very far? Are they traveling with a band? Hired as a stagehand? Are they hooked on the reef? Oh, please, someone tell me. Where have all the fathers gone? Will they just be late? Or have they met their fate? Are they running from the law out in Wichita? Were they just waiting to leave? Oh, someone explain to me, where have all the fathers gone? Yeah, man, so it's a great song. Um, so what, what gear do you use? I know a lot of people are really interested in, in gear. Or like the different sound of a guitar on yeah. on a particular song. What uh, what what guitar did you use for that song? Um, I used an Austin semi hollow body guitar on that song. I can't remember the model of it, mm-hmm. but it's the one I play a lot uh, in my live shows. Okay, yeah, and that guitar sounds great. Thank you. And um, you know, it's not an expensive little setup either. It's just this Austin guitar that's not that expensive uh-huh. through a. You know, a solid state kind of cheap Fender amp, and I'm really a fan of like kind of using inexpensive kind of cheap stuff, uh, especially for recording because you get the just the most characteristic sounds. Because on most recordings, you hear all this nice equipment, uh-huh. and um, it starts to just get kind of mundane. Oh yeah, it's a nice sound, whatever. But sometimes you can get some real cheap equipment that is just cool. Even like cheap yeah. acoustic guitars uh-huh. recorded can be awesome. So anyway, that was um, the guitar on there. And then for the... Actually, for the drums on this whole album, I don't remember if you saw it, but I had this little suitcase kick drum and a little snare that I use. Oh yeah, I think I, I did. I recall that on the last yeah. show. Yeah. So there's no cymbals or toms or anything. It's literally a suitcase uh, with a kick drum pedal on yeah. it. Yeah. And then just a just a snare, a stick and br- plain uh-huh. stick and brush, and I'm playing the drums on it. And uh, I try to be really minimal with everything. Uh-huh. 
that I'm doing. So, yeah, I'm 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 not really going for a real polished sound. So it's fun yeah. to to kind of experiment with all these things that people maybe normally wouldn't use for recording. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. Well, it's been great talking to you. Is there anything you wanted to uh, to add that we haven't talked about? I would just say check out my website because you know I'm I'm traveling a lot. Uh, playing shows and doing some stuff out of town as well as in Nashville. And uh, if I'm coming to one of the listeners' towns, I'd love to have them come out and uh, take a listen. Yeah, definitely. And uh, they're in for a treat because I think there's uh, just a lot of a variety. Thanks. And it's just it's, it's always great to see just such talented musicians just playing their heart out, telling great stories. Thanks. So, yeah, man, it's, it's an honor to... Uh, this is the first podcast that's been recorded, so I don't know what uh, when it'll be released. But uh, I feel honored. It's been Thanks. fun, buddy. It's been fun. Thank you. And uh, once again, you can find Ben's music at wilsonsongs.com. And uh, check him out on Facebook. And uh, go check out a show when, when the opportunity is available. Thanks again, buddy. Thank you, Ken. All right, we're going to end it. We'll play the song that uh, features Cassie, To the Moon. Roll in my head Back to the first words we ever said When you entered my world I knew then what I was made for If you struggle from time to time Just picture your hand in mine If you ever wonder How much do I love you You can be so sure child to the woman you will be oh there's ocean in between I know I'll miss you from time to time I'll just picture your I love you to the